Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's time for the Newsmax Daily from Newsmax, America's fastest growing cable news channel. Now, now, here's your host, Rob Carson. It is the Newsmax Daily. My name is Rob Carson. Hello. It is Cinco de Mayo. Yesterday was uh, May the 4th be with you. Okay. And today is Revenge of the 5th. For those of you who are like a Star Wars fans and, uh, you know, don't have a girlfriend and live in your mom's basement. Anyway, uh, today is uh, Cinco de Mayo. It is the uh, Mexican Independence Day. Of course, we as Americans have kind of um, hijacked it to some degree to, uh, you know, to use it as an excuse to drink. Same way, you know, listen, not everybody's Irish when they go get all drunk on uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's just it's just that way. When I was in Washington, D.C. at the radio station, we had St. Patrick's Day at a Mexican restaurant and we did Cinco de Mayo at an Irish pub. And they were gigantic. They were absolutely gigantic. And there's some sort of, uh, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the Irish and Mexican cultures, but if you go to Mexico, there's a place called Senior Frogs. Oh, no, 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 no. What is it called? No, it's not Senior Frogs. It's uh, it's another place and it's, it's, uh, it's Irish and Hispanic at the same thing. But anyway, they, there's kind of a crossover there. And I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank on that thing right now. I've been told it's not the Mexican Independence Day. What is it is exactly? Oh, it's the Battle of Pueblo. Like, I got it. Okay, I get it. I didn't want to culturally appropriate anything or offend anybody. You know, I wouldn't want to do that because I'll, you know, make everybody mad. But anyway, so uh, welcome to the show. We've got much to get to today. The uh, President of the United States did a full-on grandpa moment. Full-on grandpa moment. With regard to uh, all these inoculations, and he wants to inoculate. He wants to, he wants to give vaccines to 170 million people by July the fourth. And I just want to know why they're pushing all this. Everything right now, to me, with regard to this virus, is suspect. And I'm, I'm not being paranoid. I'm actually I'm using common sense because I began looking at it uh, with reason and thought last March. So I've never thought it was the worst pandemic in the history of mankind. And by the way, my friend Chris Plant, nationally syndicated talk show host, after four months of me saying it, admitted yesterday the CDC said that there has not been one case of flu in the United States this flu season. Do you understand? I've been saying it for months, months and months and months. The flu just doesn't go away. What is happening is that the flu is being diagnosed as COVID, so hospitals, nursing homes, states can get money. That's it. That's what it's all about. So there you go. There you go. The flu is being diagnosed as COVID, so hospitals, nursing homes, states can get money. So there is uh, much to get to. Uh, oh, by the way, Donald Trump is going to make his uh, triumphant return to the uh, the interweb. He's got a new uh, a new platform. It's not really, it's not a social networking platform. It's just kind of a platform for him uh, with regard to what's going on in his life and some things that you can tweet, things that you can share and all of that stuff. Facebook's oversight board upheld Trump's ban, says it must decide in six months to end the suspension or permanently delete his account. Now, on November the 4th, my big Facebook page disappeared. I was never told why. 
And if you think it's just an algorithm, you are absolutely wrong. It is when you start to have reach as a conservative, you are immediately under a microscope. And my page went away with no reason given and no recourse whatsoever. Hundreds of thousands of people were left going, what happened to Rob Carson? It happened to my network. I had a network uh, in October of uh, 2018. 29 pages, 17 million followers. Gone, gone, gone. One day by Facebook. Facebook, um, how do I put this? <laughs> Sucks. And I'm going to go ahead and just add Parler to it because Parler banned me as well. Uh, and, and I post the same things that I post on Parler that I do on Facebook, that I do on MeWe, that I do on Gab, that I do on Megabook, that I do on Twitter. But I believe that Parler was trying to get in, back in the good graces, get on the platform with Apple again. And I believe if we looked into it, they would, uh, they would, you would see that they have booted a bunch of conservatives. Uh, please write me if you'd like or, or uh, whatever. Look at me on social media and write me and tell me if this happened to you. Because I want to know. Here is the, uh, the ad, the new uh, viral video for Trump's new platform on the interweb. In the Senate to the trash of history. Twitter permanently banning the commander-in-chief's personal account with 88 million followers. From the desk of Donald Trump is what it is, is called. From the desk of Donald J. Trump. Okay, so um, I don't know if it's the best. Uh, it, it's a it's a platform. It's not a social media platform for you and I to post and all that stuff. So we will see uh, where where this goes eventually. If he does decide to rival Facebook or you know any of these other social media platforms, he'll kick their butts. Anyway, let's move on to other stuff. Let's uh, let's talk about the president of the United States and how uh, this isn't funny anymore. It never really was. When you see a man who is severely mentally in decline, and there's no doubt about it anymore, don't you know? And even the mainstream media doesn't even fight you on it anymore. They just avoid the story altogether. But here he is yesterday, uh, screwing up, talking about where you can go to get your vaccine. And instead of saying .gov, he says .gum, and he says, he says this twice. I'm gonna repeat: We're gonna make it easier than ever to get vaccinated. Visit vaccines.gov, vaccines.gov, or text to your, text your zip code to 438829, 438829. Walk into your local pharmacy without an appointment. Go to the doctor or local. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry. The, the more that I'm pushed towards it, the more I go, uh, No. Um, the other members of my family have had the vaccine and what they're moving to, what they're going to move to is bullying you and saying that if you do not get the vaccine, you are going to kill other people. Oh, and then also that, that if you, if you take the vaccine, you could still die. This is, this is great. This is from yesterday. So even if you get the vaccine, you still could die. Five million Americans of every background who are fully protected from one of the deadliest pandemics in our history. You know, there's a lot of misinformation out there, but there's one fact I want every American to know. Okay, what is the fact, Grandpa? People who are not fully vaccinated can still die every day from COVID-19. Look at the folks in your community who have gotten vaccinated and are getting back to living their lives, their full lives. Look at the grandparents united. 
There he goes. He's getting all folksy and everything. I guess he said that if you're fully, if you're not fully vaccinated, you'll die. Well, whatever, you know. I've heard you get vaccinated, you can still die. You can still pass the disease on and all that stuff. And honestly, uh, the more you push, the more you push. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's a good analogy for this. Telling a kid that broccoli is really good for him. Broccoli is so good for you. You got to eat this broccoli. You just sit there and enjoy that broccoli. And then it starts to get a little bit worse. And then you're not getting up from that table before you eat your broccoli. I think that's a pretty good analogy, to be quite honest. I never did that to my kids. I never made them sit at the table until they ate something. So I was like, what, what, mom and dad, what were you thinking? I mean, my mom and dad, they, they would do like liver and onions. It's like depression food that they would serve us. And none of the kids liked it. It's awful. Liver and onions is awful. But we'd have to sit at the dang table till we ate the liver and onions or, or fed it to our dog when they weren't looking or buried it under mashed potatoes, which never worked. I don't get it. Don't get it. Here is the president of the United States. He got confused with his uh, Catholic upbringing and the Center for Disease Control. He called the Center for Disease Control the CCD. That's why I'm asking people to continue to follow the CCD guidelines, CDC guidelines as we work to get more, uh, more people vaccinated. Wow. This is one little presser. This is one little presser. Look what he's already stumbled and mumbled through. Look what he's already done. This is one presser. Here he is being asked again about 4th of July because he's making it all about the 4th of July. You'll be able to actually put a weenie on the grill with a friend if you're lucky and you go get shot or I should say get a shot. 35 million people to hit 70%. Why not set that target for 75% or 80% of the Well, I'd like to get it 100%, but I think realistically we can get to that place between now and July 4th. And by the way... Why are you pushing it so hard? It's not like July 4th, the door's closed. Why did you take your mask off when you went into Jimmy and Rosalind Carter's house yesterday since they are elderly people? <laughs> it's just I picked July 4th to try to get to a place where we get back closer to normal. And so the, I, we're, we're going to be vaccinating people in the next fall. Uh, it's not going to, this is not going to something all of a sudden July 4th where um, we're, we're going to just declare it's over. Thank you so much. No, oh, no, no, no. We're going to keep going this through the middle of the next year because we know that Republicans have the momentum going into the 2022 elections. And we're going to keep people wearing masks and being afraid and saying we're not reaching herd immunity. There's a new report out that says we will never reach herd immunity because not everybody is getting vaccinated. And that has never been the bellwether for herd immunity with regard to a pandemic. It has never been that everybody's vaccinated. That's nonsense. Because there's a place where people's immune systems kick in and we kick viruses' butts. Otherwise, everybody on the planet would be dead. Here he is babbling a little bit more about masks and being maskless. The good news is that last week, the CDC said that vaccinated people do not need to wear their masks outside unless there are very crowded settings like a sporting event. And if we can continue to drive vaccine, There's no reason for a vaccinated person, no matter where you are, to be wearing a mask. Nations up and caseloads down. We'll need our masks even less and less. It has been one month since the Rangers-Phillies game to a sold-out house in, I believe it was Dallas, 28,000 people, and it has not been a mass infection moment. I know it will take It time. was not a super spreader event. Time to get everyone back to, everything back to normal. Neither was Sturgis last year. You know, we're all going to have to be patient with one another. Masks have needlessly divided this country. Masking as directed as a patriotic duty. No, it's not. 
the government directing you to do something and you complying is not patriotic. But so, too, is treating each other with respect and patience. One final point. As yeah, yeah, yeah. Just honestly, there's nothing left there. Hello, I see your lights on. Hello. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I really don't know what to say as far as this president anymore. And if you if you are denying the fact that he is severely, severely cognitively impaired, then you are a fool. Coca-Cola has put the brakes on its controversial new diversity plan, which included penalizing law firms if they did not meet racial diversity quotas. I mean, sheer and uh, utter racism at uh, Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola. Unbelievable. The pause on the diversity plan comes after the plan's architect, Coca-Cola's former general counsel, Brady Bradley Gayton, abruptly resigned last month after serving less than a year on the job and faced mounting criticism of the quota system. Some questioned uh, if Gayton's policies violated Title, what is it, 8, 9? Nine? 9 of the Civil Rights Act of 1960? That's, that's not Title 9. That would be Title 7, which says employers cannot discriminate against people on the basis of race. But they are everywhere, by the way. Yeah, they are everywhere. And they're discriminating against people like me because I am a, a white, straight male. Okay. Hmm. The Legal Defense Foundation Project on uh, Fair Representation published a letter to Coca-Cola last Wednesday warning that the company's outside counsel racial quota requirements are against the law. And then they also had a, uh, an anti-racism video series for the employees that they had to watch called, uh, well, telling people to be less white. I mean, can you imagine if you say, be less black? Can you imagine the uproar? And don't say, yeah, man, but you were in control of everything for years. This is payback. No, 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 no. Racism is racism is racism. And I didn't ever call anybody racist. And I never, uh, oh, but I'm white privileged, right? I grew up poor on a farm, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see Caitlyn Jenner's um, ad for governor? Running for governor? You know, I posted the other day on social media, would I vote for Caitlyn Jenner? And I said, hell yeah. Because I want you to listen to this. This is what California needs. It's fairly obvious. And if you think that this race is the reason why she won't be the governor is because Republicans won't vote for a trans, you're wrong. But Democrats sure as heck are raising hell and they realize, oh my God, we're losing this cudgel in our arsenal to be able to say that uh, Republicans are homophobic, uh, sexist, uh, and transphobic. Because to be quite honest, I don't care what is between your legs or maybe what has been removed. <laughs> but here is the, uh, here's Caitlyn Jenner's ad. I won't play the entire thing, but listen to this. This is spot on. And by the way, for you millennials, I was a little boy when this person was the greatest athlete on the planet. Of the billions of people on the planet, Bruce Jenner became the greatest athlete in the world by winning the Olympic decathlon. He was a hero. He was on Wheaties boxes, and then he, he, he changed gender. I've always been a dreamer. California was once the envy of the world. We had what everyone else wanted. Obviously didn't have a voiceectomy. The American dream grew up here. Yet career politicians and their policies have destroyed that dream. It's been locked away, closed, shuttered, left in the dark, burned down. California was Eden. 
California had everything that the world would envy. And bad Democrat leadership has made it into a hellhole. That's the truth. The government is now involved in every part of our lives. They've taken our money, our jobs, and our freedom. California needs a disruption. I don't care if you got two heads. If you're saying this about California and taking the state in this direction, I'll vote for you. A compassionate disruptor. I came here with a dream 48 years ago to be the greatest athlete in the world. Now I enter a different kind of race, arguably my most important one yet, to save California. I want to carry the torch for the parents who had to balance work and their child's education, for business owners who were forced to shut down, for pastors who were not able to be with their congregation. This just kicks butt. For the family who lost their home in a fire, for an entire generation of students who lost a year of education. This past year has redefined our career politicians as elitists and the people of California as the warriors the kings and the angels. We never take kindly to glass ceilings here. Instead, we shatter them. This one's way out there. We're the trailblazers, the innovators. California is facing big hurdles. Now, we need leaders who are unafraid to leap to new heights. Who are unafraid to challenge and to change the status quo. I want to prove that it is absolutely possible if we only do it together. I love that. I love this. I just think this is great. And and I've never been a transgendered, uh, 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 transphobic, or or homophobic or anything. I don't care. But right now, I mean, look what ha- what's happening in California versus Florida. Would I move to Florida? Oh heck yeah. Would I move to California right now? No. If I were going to spend my retirement years in a state, for instance, if I wanted a nicer climate, more picturesque, and California had the same policies as Florida, I'd go to California first. I would. But unfortunately, liberalism has destroyed the state. I think Caitlyn Jenner could win this election. And I hope she does. I really do. Hey, you guys ready for some hot sake? Jen Psaki yesterday blaming the border crisis that started when Joe Biden became the president and following 94 executive actions to dismantle Donald Trump's successful immigration policy, blamed the border crisis on the former president. And by the way, Jen Hun, um, this isn't flying. Uh, I wanted to provide a brief update on the situation at our southern border. Uh, After four years of an immigration system rooted in destructive and chaotic policies, President Biden is taking the challenge head on and is building a fair, orderly and humane immigration system. (laughs) This is fantastic. No, seriously. You've got uh, rooms where only 40 people should be and there are 700 people crammed in these rooms. You've got people being uh, raped in the desert. You've got children being sex trafficked. You've got you've got people coming here, young people who, for the promise of getting them across the border, say that they will be indentured servants, aka slaves, for years. You had the border wall stopped, and by the way, Donald Trump had uh, trimmed illegal crossings of the border by eighty five percent. The only reason this crisis is happening, and it's 
painfully obvious as, as Joe Biden's mental decline that it's his policy. That's our objective. After coming into office, uh, our administration immediately jumped into action to address the influx of migrants at the border. Jumped into inaction. Are you kidding me? Order, something that began during and was exacerbated by the Trump administration. Uh, and wanted to provide a couple of uh, data, pieces of data. You the may reason why she lies like this is because she knows the mainstream media will not challenge her on it. I've seen, but they've come out since the last time we had a briefing in here. At the end of March, there were more than 5,000 children in Customs and Border Protection Patrol stations. Today, that number is approximately 600. The amount of time children spend... Because we've released them into the country wholesale. Some people without even having IDs put them on airplanes and flew them around the country. In CBP facilities is down by 75%. From Show us the video, hon. 131 hours. Oh, did I call her, hon? That's sexist. I'm sorry. Hours. Ma'am. The end of March <laughs> to under 30 hours now. Sure. And just yesterday, the yes. Department of Homeland Security announced that it will begin the process of reuniting a number of families who were separated by the policies of the previous administration. the previous administration. administration. Clearly, we're not done. There's a lot of work ahead. Migration is a dynamic and evolving challenge, uh, but the president has a plan and we're working on implementing. Okay, you're, you're working on implementing and you're, you're failing all the way, you know, and you cannot, honestly, you cannot blame Donald Trump for the mess that you have caused. The timeline shows that it happens. You guys have been lying about what has caused it from the get-go. You said it was climate change. You said it was poverty. Joe Biden says it happens every year. And honestly, you cannot just keep saying that things are happening. When the reason why is policy, it's fairly obvious. You can add all you want. You can add all you want to the list. It's climate change. It's this, it's that. Here's what stopped the flow. Donald Trump said to the corrupt leaders of the Northern Triangle in Mexico, we cut off all aid to you until you stop the flow of immigrants. And then he cut it off. And he was called racist and xenophobic and all that stuff. And then he had a wait in Mexico policy where you had to wait in Mexico for your court date rather than step into the country and then spread out all over the place with a, a goodwill promise that you would show up at court, which is happening now. Kamala Harris yesterday said they're going to renew. They're going to renew paying off the, uh, the, the corrupt dictators the corrupt uh, uh, oligarchies in these uh, different countries, again, they're going to renew aid to them, which, by the way, will never get to the people. There, there's this promise in the government, for some odd reason, perhaps they truly believe this, believe that if you send a dictatorial government that has impoverished its people billions of dollars, that they will give the money to the people in the form of aid. No, no. They'll make themselves very, very, very rich. Did you realize Hugo Chavez, who's no longer with us, sitting and dining in a two-top in hell with Hitler? His daughter is an expat who left, and she's worth a billion dollars. Here's Kamala Harris on renewing the aid to the crooked countries and crooked leaders in the Northern Triangle and Mexico. Our administration is implementing a comprehensive strategy with governments and international institutions, the private sector, foundations, and community organizations. Community organizations. The idea here <laughs> is that our lift up their communities yes. and provide safety and security for their citizens. They never do. That's why their citizens leave, because their countries are terrible. For instance, last week I had a bilateral meeting with the Guatemalan president. And we agreed to... But you've never been to the border. Strengthen... Because you're afraid to show your face in front of all the customs and border officers who realize you are betraying them. Cooperation 
to shut down human traffickers and smugglers. Yeah, that's going to work. In just a few days, I will meet virtually with the president of Mexico. And in a month... Going to meet gonna meet virtually. Well, thank goodness you're taking some time to do a Zoom call. From now, I will visit both <laughs> countries. Oh, oh, well, thank you. Now, now realize there was a, a shooting, a mass shooting in Atlanta a couple of months ago where a, a guy went in and shot up uh, a bunch of Asian spas because he was a sex addict and he was insane. Kamala Harris and Joe Biden flew to Atlanta, flew to Atlanta that weekend to try to victimize Asian Americans as some sort of this was a this was a metaphor for Asian American hate and it didn't fly. And neither will she for a couple of months, even though this is the biggest crisis that our country faces right now. Second, there is a role for governments outside of the region and international institutions the United States ambassador. Oh, this is just, you know, honestly, this is faculty lounge nonsense. These are people who uh, liberals like to have uh, meetings ad nauseum and never accomplish anything. You ever worked at a company like that where you just have meetings all the time and nothing ever gets done? That's a liberal demo- democracy, or I should say liberal Democrat leader. They're not democratic in any way, shape or form. But Donald Trump would have, you know, some meetings, but he got stuff done. They just sit and they sit around and they have their latte and they, they say this and that. And then they ultimately come up with the same ideas that fail over and over and over and over and over again. Oh, and by the way, did you know that she and Joe Biden got 81 million votes during the last election? And she went to uh, Milwaukee yesterday to promote Joe Biden's gargantuan infrastructure bill that has nothing to do with infrastructure. And she went to the University of Wisconsin, the Milwaukee Clean Energy Laboratories, and literally... The number of SUVs in her entourage uh, was larger than the number of people who showed up to see them. Her, I should say. How many people showed up to see Kamala Harris yesterday in uh, University of Milwaukee? Come on, guess, 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 guess. 10,000? No, 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 no. 5,000? No, no, no. 500? No, no. 100? None. Nobody showed up to see her. Four people showed up to protest. <laughs> Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, four people showed up to see a woman who garnered presumably uh, 40 and one half million uh, votes. (laughs) This is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Wow. It really is. It is just amazing. This is uh, Newsmax Logan Patrick. Uh, He is a terrific young reporter talking about Joe Biden raising the cap for entrance into the country for illegals. Bob Heather, another backtrack from the Biden administration. The president is resurrecting a plan that would more than quadruple the amount of refugees let into the U.S. this year. Yeah, they're really concerned about illegal immigration. Just two weeks after the White House announced it would keep the refugee cap at 15,000, a level set by Donald Trump, President Biden says he will raise that limit to 62,500. The president says this move, quote, erases the historically low numbers set by the previous administration of 15,000, which did not reflect America's values as a nation. Yeah, it does, actually. It's not American value to wholesale open the borders to anybody. Welcomes and supports refugees, adding that it will, quote, It is to enrich the, uh, the drug cartels with human smuggling and sex trafficking, which is this administration has uh, been actually encouraging uh, by accident, I guess. Remove Some would say by, well, whatever. Any lingering doubt in the minds of refugees around the world. And one White House official is on record saying the president is raising the cap regardless of capacity limits to, quote, send a very clear message that refugee processing is a critical part of America's place in the world. 
The refugee program is different from the asylum system, with refugees undergoing vetting while still overseas before being cleared for entry into the U.S. But Democrats are also pressing forward when it comes to migration. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is actively exploring whether it would be possible to attach a broad revision of immigration laws to President Biden's infrastructure plan and pass it along party lines through reconciliation. Okay, so what Chuck Schumer is attempting to do is get uh, over a million new Democrat voters and uh, put it into this giant infrastructure bill and uh, force it down our throats. That's what that is all about. Unbelievable. Oh, did you know there are still people in custody for the uh, January 6th insurrection at the Capitol? where nobody was killed, uh, four people died, one by a drug overdose. Uh, the fifth person uh, was murdered by a Capitol Police officer. Ashley Babbitt, remember her name? But in Portland, it is revealed that in March, that federal prosecutors had overthrown over most of a third of the cases against Portland rioters, 31 of 90 cases stemming from last year's lawlessness. So they're dismissing the cases, despite the fact that the federal courthouse has been on fire, despite that there have been hundreds of police officer injuries. Over half of the cases against federally charged Portland riders are being dismissed or on track for dismissal through a deferred resolution agreement, 58 of 97 cases, which sends a message that if you're in Portland and you're a member of Antifa, you can get away with anything. Wow. It is amazing, right, that the government and the media politicized a virus to the point that a Trump rally would cause people to die because of COVID, but Black Lives Matter rallies were perfectly fine and acceptable in places like New York. And you've got people in Washington, D.C., many who were let into the Capitol, many who were taking selfies with police officers who are being overcharged, some still in custody, some in solitary confinement, and you've got punks who've wrecked Portland for a year being let go. Oh, there's going to be such a wave in 2022. There's going to be such a wave. Kevin McCarthy was caught on a microphone talking about Liz Cheney. And this is, uh, Liz Cheney is done. You know, she's done. She's not the face of the party. She's a blue blood country club Republican who voted against the will of her constituents to impeach Donald Trump. He, She and Mitt Romney voted against the will of their constituents. They are, I won't say traitorous, with regard to the country, but traitorous with regard to their voters and the people who elected them. Kevin McCarthy said uh, some things on a hot mic, basically saying he's kind of done with her. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has had enough. The GOP House leader caught on a hot mic telling a Fox News host what he really thinks about Liz Cheney. I think she's got real problems. I, I, <laughs> I, I've had it with I've had it with her. It's, you know, I, I've lost confidence. The edited audio, which does not include the questions, a clear sign the Wyoming Congresswoman's days in House leadership are numbered. Well, someone just has to bring a motion, but I assume that will probably take place. Just a few months ago, McCarthy defended Cheney from the backlash of conservative members angry over her vote to impeach former President McCarthy is not the future of the party either, by the way. Trump and her critique of his role in the January 6th insurrection. You know, the conference decides all that. We're here talking about small business. Now McCarthy seems content to let the conference's far-right members take Cheney out of her role as the third-ranking House Republican. It's not the far-right. Okay, let me explain what it is. 
And CNN, it got, I, I don't know how you could even watch CNN or MSNBC. It is not the far right. It is not far right to want constitutional principles to govern the United States. It is not far right to be a huge fan of the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, lower taxes, strong military, strong borders. That's not. That's just constitutional conservatism. There's no far right to it. But they will do anything they can to make us look bad. Liz Cheney is not a Republican. Liz Cheney is not a conservative. Neither is Mitt Romney. And they are certainly not the future of the party. They are the George Bush wing of the party. They are the ones who are so offended. They, are, they get so butthurt by the Donald Trump tweeting. And you know what? Here's the thing. And I wasn't even that big a fan of Donald Trump. He was like the last candidate I would have chosen in 2020. I liked Marco Rubio. I liked Ted Cruz. And I watched them fall as dominoes. And then I realized, okay. And I voted for him. And he got into office. And I went, oh, my God. He's given him what for? He's given him what for. And every day that he faced withering criticism and ultimately two impeachment attempts that, that were ultimate failures because there was no proof at all that he did anything wrong, that there was a Russian collusion investigation that was a lie. And every day he came up swinging. And every day he did something that I knew would make the country better. And the, uh, the military got stronger and the economy got stronger and black unemployment reached an all-time low and Hispanic unemployment reached an all-time low and the number of women in the workforce reached an all-time high and regulation started to disappear and people started being proud and they showed up in caravans. And during the last campaign, there was a 97-mile caravan for Donald Trump outside of Phoenix. There were tens of thousands of boats for these giant flotillas about Donald Trump while 10 people showed up to see uh, Joe Biden and five people showed up to see Kamala Harris. It's not far right. It's saying, I'm done with the country being torn down. I'm done with, with people saying this is an awful racist country. And if you want to go down their road, that is the road to destruction. That is the road to misery. And every day that a liberal wakes up in this country, they wake up in misery, wondering how they can make other people miserable. And when Donald Trump woke up every morning, he said, what problem can I solve today? What can I do to make the country better? Some people will call me uh, jingoistic. And I, you know what I have to say? Jingo all the way, baby. Jingo all the way. <laughs> so leftists appear to have really messed up the Derek Chauvin trial in Minneapolis for a variety of reasons. One of the reasons is they burned down the city. Okay, before the trial even happened, they burned down the city. Then the judge decided, hey, let's just go ahead and have the uh, trial in the city. So immediately, you're having the trial in a city that clearly is hostile toward the police officer, clearly is sympathetic toward the, uh, the plaintiff. Okay? Then the week before the trial, the city decides to settle with the, uh, with the Floyd family for $26 million. Then the day before the verdict, Maxine Waters came to Minneapolis and said there would be people should be more confrontational if a, a guilty verdict is not found. Then Joe Biden said he was praying for a guilty verdict. And now we find out that one of the jurors, one of the jurors, <laughs> went to a George Floyd rally in Washington, D.C. on the anniversary of Martin Luther King's speech last year. Wearing a T-shirt that said, uh, get off our necks and a hat that said Black Lives Matter. 
So all of these things are, are going to happen. Well, what they're going to result in is a not a mistrial, but a uh, a retrial, and he may walk. Or, or at least not be charged on all of the things that he was or convicted on all of the things he was charged of because of all that falderall. Here is a report from ABC about this latest controversy with regard to juror number 52. Breaking headline I mentioned off the top tonight late today involving Derek Chauvin after that guilty verdict. Lawyers for the former Minneapolis police officer tonight are now asking for a new trial. Late today filing a motion on several grounds including what they claim is jury misconduct. It comes as a photo has surfaced showing one of the jurors wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt and cap and attending a march in Washington during which members of George Floyd's family spoke. Here's ABC's Alex Perez tonight, of course, wow. following the case from the start for us. Tonight, Brandon Mitchell, one of 12 jurors who convicted former cop Derek Chauvin <laughs> of killing George Floyd, is defending his impartiality as a juror after this picture of him last August resurfaced online at the March on Washington commemorating Dr. Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech, an event where George Floyd's family members were among the speakers. Mitchell wearing a shirt with a picture of Dr. King and the words, get your knee off our necks and BLM. <laughs> after the guilty verdict, Mitchell telling our Robin Rod he was wearing that shirt and that hat. And then he goes back to Minneapolis and he lies on the questionnaire to become a juror and says that he never attended a rally. That video of Chauvin's knee on Floyd's neck. Congratulations, my friend. You just wrecked it. You just wrecked it for everybody who wants to see Derek Chauvin spend the rest of his life in prison. Was key. And then seeing the, the multiple angles of it from the body cams, from the other, the other cell phones. Um, you lied on the questionnaire. Because you wanted to get on a jury and you're telling other people that they should get on jury so they can affect change, which means not look at the evidence, immediately go into the trial with a pre, uh, predisposed uh, position on the guilt or innocence of the client rather than looking at the evidence. It was probably the most important piece of evidence. Mitchell, during jury selection, answered no when asked if he participated in demonstrations about police use of force. Mitchell that would be a lie. told the Minneapolis Star Tribune his attendance in D.C. was 100% not a march for George Floyd. <laughs> no, it's just a lovely time to go to D.C. And directly related to MLK's march in the 60s. Yes, and I was wearing a BLM shirt and a, and a shirt that says, get your knee off our necks. Tonight, Chauvin's defense attorney, uh -oh. Eric Nelson, finally... And by the way, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of Derek Chauvin. I'm just saying, this is no way to get justice in the country. And, and your, your fight for justice with all of the destruction and all the marches and all that stuff ultimately may cause you to come out on the losing end of it. This motion for a new trial, citing a number of reasons, including jury misconduct. It certainly gives him some ammunition in terms, in terms of him... Uh, asking the court to conduct a hearing to determine whether or not this juror should have been on the on the uh, jury or not. And David, that defense motion for a new trial is expected in high profile cases like this one. The prosecution has already responded, saying they will vigorously. Yeah, but rarely in a uh, request for a new trial do you have this sort of ammunition against the uh, the prosecution. I mean, this is like, wow, <laughs> this is not good, not good at all. Hey, let's talk about some of the great personalities that are on Newsmax and also some of the great stories that we we are following. Um, this is interesting because a lot of this, there is a backlash against critical race theory in schools around the country. And it's insulting on two fronts for both minorities and for those who are privileged like me. Yes, privileged, yes, yes, yes. 
because it shows and tells black children that despite history, despite the great towering figures of history uh, that are African-American or black uh, that have changed the world, Martin Luther King Jr., Harriet Tubman, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, all of that means nothing. None of their accomplishments mean anything because right now things are apparently worse than they have ever been. And because of institutional racism, you can't do anything. And it also tells those children and white children that white children are evil and bad because they were born that way. So it's, it's being rejected. And, and thank God, because, you know, listen, my kids went through uh, schools, elementary school with a school that was mostly minority, was 10% white. And they never looked at race. They didn't care. My son, he would have this group of friends through high school that I called the uh, the, the uh, United Nations because they were every color and shape and creed and whatever. And they would make fun of cliches. They would make fun of cliches about race. And, and they didn't care. They loved each other. They were they were brothers. They were they were friends. And it didn't matter. And this generation never has. My generation never has either. All of this is nonsense. It is to cover poor choices, poor life decisions. Uh, it is to cover poor policy by Democrat administrations, including the war on poverty. Dinesh D'Souza appeared with Spicer and company. I love watching uh, Dinesh D'Souza's stuff to talk about critical race theory. It's a little bit of a misnomer. There's nothing sort of critical in the sense of analytical about it. This is an indoctrination program, pure and simple. It's based upon, I would call it a cartoon view of American history. All of all Americans past and present are divided into the oppressor class or the oppressed. Now, this was a, now, Dinesh, I believe you are a brown person. Don't you feel like you are uh, being discriminated against? Marxist category. Marx divided people into basically the working class and the capitalist class. Essentially, what these guys do is they take the Marxist category, but they substitute class for they make race substitute for class. So now they're not looking at the rich against the poor. They're looking against black against white. So on the one side, you've got the evil white oppressors. Uh, they're even more oppressive. Than That's me. I'm evil and I'm white and I oppress people. If they're white and male and the worst. Don't think I've ever done that. I'm, I'm pretty not pretty much sure I haven't done that. To be as white, male and heterosexual. Then you are an intersectional criminal of sorts. On the other hand, on the victim side, it's pretty good to be Latino or black. It's yes. even better if you're a Latino woman. And if you're a handicapped Latino woman of color who's also a transsexual, you basically scored. Check those boxes, baby. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is fantastic. It's all about checking boxes, right? And the boxes that can't be checked are white, Male, heterosexual. Those are bad. The other ones, check, 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 check away. That is fantastic. Oh, by the way, Greg Kelly talked with uh, Emerald Robinson about, I opened the show sharing some sound bites from Joe Biden yesterday. That any politician over four years of office, if that many gaffes came up in four years, he would be hounded relentlessly as uh, mentally incompetent. Dan Quayle was the vice president for 48 years, no, four years, four years under, under George H.W. Uh, Bush. He misspelled the word potato. You may not remember this, millennials. He misspelled the word potato on a board, and he was declared an idiot. His political career went nowhere after that. But Joe Biden could go through one press conference yesterday where he stumbles, bumbles, says uh, whitehouse.gum or US whatever it was, dot gum, and CCD instead of CDC. 
There's a transition happening, guys. And it's not that I'm wearing heels. Uh, the transition has happened in Washington, D.C. The transition from the Biden administration to the Biden-Harris administration and ultimately to the Harris administration. Here is Emerald Robinson talking to Greg Kelly about this odd phenomenon. Welcome back. Great to see you. Who is in charge? Thanks, Eric. Well, yesterday we talked about the president's light schedule and asked, well, if he's not doing it, who is? So I'm not wearing heels, by the way. All right, let's take a look at Vice President Kamala Harris. Now, President Biden I may have on a bustier, though. Biden has many times mistakenly referred to President Harris, and even his own White House has dictated that the government agencies and each member of the cabinet refer to the Biden administration as the Biden-Harris administration. Huh. Listen. Huh. For the Biden-Harris administration. During the Biden-Harris administration. Hmm. Yeah, Biden-Harris administration. Weird. Under the Biden-Harris administration. Huh. The Biden-Harris administration. The Biden-Harris administration. And Greg, the media has joined. Nothing to see here. Just nothing at all. Nothing to see here at all. And on the chorus, following along <laughs> with this White House directive. Listen. Oh, here come the mouthpieces. Here come the, mouth, the media mouthpieces. Nothing to see here. The Biden-Harris team. The Biden-Harris administration. The Biden-Harris administration. Wow. The Biden-Harris administration. How heavy is that water you're carrying? The Biden-Harris administration. The Biden-Harris administration's. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said this is nothing more than a reflection of the important <laughs> role that Harris will play going forward. Oh, boy. I mean, honestly, there's, there's just... <laughs> how much you can you can try to cover something up and how much and after a while it just becomes so utterly ridiculous and i've said it is he is the he is the emperor he is naked he is on a parade float there is a marching band out front there are spotlights on other uh, either side and there's a pole in the middle of the of the uh, of the float which is not a pretty picture but pretty much he's naked. I mean, just as, mm, okay, we didn't need that visual. Here is Greg Kelly talking with Emerald Robertson about uh, foreign leaders beginning to realize there's something amiss. Let's take a look at some of the one-on-one -on -one calls she's already had with many key foreign leaders. That includes six different countries, France, uh, Israel, the Republic of Congo, Canada, Australia, and Denmark. Now, this is... Uh, even particularly more interesting or more unusual, according to former White House officials from many different administrations that I talked to, because it includes two members of the five. It's all evidence. It's all evidence that adds up to one equation. This president isn't mentally fit to be the president. If I Shh, don't tell anybody. It's alliance being Canada and Australia. Very odd. Washington Post even noted how unusual it was that the new vice president was holding so many independent calls with foreign leaders. Huh. That's just something that Vice President Mike Pence or other or his predecessors did. But it really raised eyebrows on the international stage when Vice President uh, Harris was the one to greet Japan's prime minister, uh, Yoshihide Suga, in what? has been the one and only in-person bilateral meeting. Of course, Japan is a key ally, and many Republicans jumped on that, suggesting it was disrespectful to Japan. But many sources I talked to said that the Japanese didn't exactly see it as disrespectful. They took it as that President Biden wasn't actually up to doing it himself. Mm -hmm. Greg Kelly talked to uh, Mark Meadows about who is in charge at the White House. Mr. Meadows, welcome back. Uh, I'm sorry, but it was never Thank the Trump. Anyway. It was never the Trump. Great to see you, sir. It was never the Trump-Pence administration. I mean, yep. they just didn't call it that. Nobody did. No. 
Well, that's because Donald Trump uh, was sitting in the Oval Office and actually making the decisions. You know, here we see a lot of decisions that are coming out. And if you look at, at the fingerprint on many of those, you know, it's not a, a moderate Joe Biden fingerprint. It's actually a leftist socialist uh, Kamala Harris fingerprint. And, and so to see them referring to this in an intentional way uh, is really all about them trying to set it up to pass the baton to uh, Kamala Harris, who obviously is calling the shots behind the scene they really think we're stupid <laughs> they really think we're stupid they, that's that's what it is they really think we're dumb they think but we're not and it's it, they keep trying they keep dressing things up no no broccoli's uh, incredible it's absolutely oh my god you are gonna love that broccoli i mean there are starving kids in africa that would just kill for that broccoli oh my god yeah uh-huh here he is about who could be the real puppet master, Mark Meadows, with uh, with Greg Kelly. Take a listen, sir. Harris-Biden administration is going to relaunch that effort. President-elect Harris took it, took hers today for the same reason. Now, when President Harris and I took uh, a virtual tour of a wow. vaccination center in Arizona. A Harris administration together with Joe Biden. Wow. Wow. You know, at first I thought that was just Joe being, you know, foggy. But now after Emerald's report, knowing what we that this is really a thing. The power is not with Joe. It seems to be clearly with Kamala. Wow. Well, you know, once or twice you can chalk it up to a mistake and perhaps a slip of the tongue. But, but now, not five times during one little announcement yesterday. Now what we see is this is more of an intentional effort on their part. Uh, to to bring not only Kamala Harris's name into the equation, but her ideological uh, viewpoint as well. And so when when we start to see this, uh, it, it's interesting because her travel as they travel together uh, is really diminished. Uh, when you start to see it, you know you can say it's a, a puppet, uh, and maybe she's actually the puppet ma meister. Uh, but I can tell you, she's pulling the strings with her left hand, not her right hand, there you go. because she's pulling Joe Biden more to the left each and every day. Here is uh, Greg Kelly talking to him about the, uh, uh, is this necessarily constitutional that she's essentially running the show and it appears more and more that she is. I know the president has a lot of latitude, can assign the vice president to do all kinds of things. I don't know, is there a limit? What we do know is there's great latitude in terms of what they can uh, assign her. Uh, they've actually given her two jobs that she hasn't done. One was going to the border and being a border czar. The other was this new job czar that, that candidly we've seen more of her giving speeches than actually doing the job. And yet what we also see is this uh, behind the scenes uh really shadow government on behalf I got no strings to hold me down. My name is Joe and I'm a clown. On behalf of Kamala Harris, where she's- I've got strings, but you can't see there are some strings on me. Actually looking at this from a foreign policy standpoint- I just made that up. Uh, engaging on domestic policy. And and when we start to see her come out and, and say the Harris administration like she has, <laughs> uh, you know, it's not just a slip of the tongue. It's, it's obviously in her mindset the way that she's viewing this can you imagine if if uh, if <laughs> if mike pence would have said the uh pence trump administration it, that would have happened one time that would have happened one time and he would have been given what fur you know unbelievable unbelievable or or during the uh clinton administration if if, if al gore would have said the gore uh the gore clinton uh administration hillary would have had him killed so fast i i mean uh <clears throat> he would have uh he would have uh never mind i, I didn't i didn't say that i don't know
Rob Schmidt had uh, uh, Gordon Chang on talking about China. China is the enemy of our country, and China is engaged in a uh, Cold War, in case you didn't know it. Well, I think it's actually worse, because he talks about it as if we are not in a Cold War now. Well, the Chinese have had this doctrine of unrestricted warfare that comes from a 1999 book. They've been waging this war. We've been oblivious. Yep. Now, Kissinger has also talked about the possibility of mankind. Uh, but we get cheap everything from China. They can't be our enemy. Um, exterminating itself in a finite period. Those are the words that caught a lot of people's attention. And of course, they unleashed a virus on us. They can't be our enemy. That's right. But the problem yeah, is, I said it. is this is not some sort of even-handed discussion, which Kissinger always engages in. This is because the Chinese are engaging in extremely dangerous behavior. And we are very in a, in a, in a very difficult position because we've got leaders who don't want to acknowledge the extent of this problem. And, you know, Nora O'Donnell was right. This is an enemy that we're confronting. It's not an adversary. It's not a partner. It's not a friend. It's an enemy. Because they call us an enemy, that makes them an enemy. Okay. Now, just real quick for you uh, millennials and younger, you Gen Zers out there, I think it was with 88 or 89, that there were some students who gathered at Tiananmen Square in uh, in uh, in China. And uh, they got together and, and they were hoping to kind of affect the same kind of change that students and others had affected in East Berlin, which resulted in the falling of the wall. And uh, one night uh, they were all, uh, the, all the media was removed from the area. Uh, all video was removed of the area. And uh, at least a couple thousand of them were crushed to death by tanks, shot, and their, and their bodies washed into storm drains. Yeah, I know that that sounds like a really good country, doesn't it? Uh, this country also has uh, it has uh, concentration camps where millions possibly are being held against their well, will making shoes and iPhones for you and me, and we just gobble them up. Oh, and then they had this cultural revolution thing where at least thirty million of their own people died because of the leadership of the country. Yeah, China, the leadership, not so good. Chinese people, yes, of course, but Chinese, the Chinese communists are awful mass murderers. There, there is a point where there are regimes and there are leaders and there is uh, 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 movements like the Nazi movement. They are evil. Chinese communism is evil. Let's talk about the coronavirus. Nobody's, a, everybody's afraid. You can't say that the virus came from China, even though it came from China. You can't hold uh, accountable a genocidal regime that is enslaving people for unleashing a virus on the rest of the world, which has cost us to the tune of trillions of dollars, the, the world an incalculable amount of money, and let's not forget lives. But you can't hold an evil regime like this accountable for it because that's somehow xenophobic. If we were to find definitive proof that China created COVID in a laboratory, and then, of course, we know that they let it spread all around the world while they protected themselves, if we put all that together... Will there be any repercussions for China, or do you think the U.S. and this world... By the way, which country, the only country in the world that experienced a positive GDP in 2020? Want to guess? China! It's just too spineless. I think eventually there will be. But, you know, Rob, it's not just a question of origin. And I think it probably did come from a lab, but we haven't been able to prove that yet. Right. But there is one thing that we can prove. And we can prove that Xi Jinping took steps to deliberately spread this disease beyond China's borders. Yep. For at least five weeks and maybe for as many as five months, he tried to convince the world it was not contagious when he knew that it was. And then he pressured countries to accept arrivals from China without restrictions while he was locking down his own country. 
You put those two things together, and it means that he had to know what he was doing. He had to know that he was spreading this disease. So that makes this mass murder. There you go. And he said it. And he did say it. And he did say it. <clears throat> oh, this is interesting. <clears throat> States that voted for Biden lost jobs at more than double the rate of Republicans during the pandemic. States that voted for Joe Biden in 2020 experienced significantly larger declines in total employment during the pandemic than those that went for Donald Trump, a new analysis shows. States that went to for Biden saw a number of people working, dropping an average of 6.2% versus 2.5% decline in those voting for Republicans. This is according to the Daily Mail. It is a liberal publication out of... Uh, Great Britain and it's lots wonderful. The 13 states that saw the lowest decline in unemployment or employment, I should say, all lean strongly Republican, led by Alaska and Utah, which actually saw employment increase by 0.7 and 0.3% respectively. Weird, weird. Writing for Reason Magazine, Matt Welch examined a slightly different data set but reached a similar conclusion. Welch points the finger at the dramatic variation in how states handled pandemic restrictions on business and school closures. Blue state governors in California and New York and Michigan have, found, have been far more strict about shutting down economic and physical activity than their red state counterparts in Florida, South Carolina, or I should say South Dakota and Texas. The comparative death tolls are roughly the same. The economic performances are anything but. The job loss leaders, including uh, Hawaii and Nevada, have both, both have economies that are heavily dependent on tourism. We get that. However, Florida, which also relies on tourism, has a Republican governor, performs significantly better than Hawaii and Nevada with job losses of 6.3% on par with largely rural Vermont. Again, there's a dearth of evidence. There's a dearth of evidence. Uh, Joe Biden's mental decline. You know, there, the dearth of evidence uh, that the fact that there's a uh, our governor, our, our borders being overrun. There's a dearth of evidence. It is. Uh, it is a, a policy of the the Obama administration. Dearth of evidence that China is an evil country and the, the Wuhan virus came from China. Shutdowns never worked. And, and by the way, and this is an interesting piece. I don't have time to get it to, to it today. But the Atlantic did a piece called The Liberals Who Can't Quit Lockdown. Democrats express more worry about the pandemic than Republicans do. People who describe themselves as very liberal are distinctly anxious. Distinctly anxious. I don't have time to get in this today. But there are some uh, liberal leaders who do not want to let go of the pandemic restrictions. They don't. For a variety of reasons. Okay. There is a mania associated with the virus that is dangerous. It is the same sort of mania that drove the Salem witch trials. Once a narrative catches on and catches fire, then buildings burn Minneapolis after George Floyd. It's crazy. I'll share more on this tomorrow. Also inside the mental health Shadow pandemic caused by COVID-19. <clears throat> this is by Dr. Nicholas Kadaris. This is where it is very serious. And this is where it hits me and you beyond economics, the personal suffering of many, including young people. Months of lockdowns are pushing many youths to psychological meltdown. The virus has taken the lives of more than a half a million people nationwide. What happened to the flu virus? It just disappeared. 
But COVID's psychological side effects are leaving more than just a trail of dead bodies. Many who survived the virus just couldn't handle the new normal of quarantines, lockdowns, record unemployment, and fear of the unknown, the loneliness, the anxiety, the isolation, the sense of dread, the worry. Will this ever end? So COVID was like gasoline poured on an already raging fire. Depression rates have tripled for the 12-month period ending last June. Fatal overdoses have increased by almost 20% to an all-time record high of 81,000 people. As for suicides, we don't have an accurate tally because the American system for tracking them is slow and final numbers may take up to two years to fully tabulate, but research data indicate a record one in four people under 30 seriously contemplated taking their own lives during COVID. Now, teachers unions, don't you feel miserable about not insisting that kids get back in the classroom? No, you don't. I'm having the big fourth, biggest 4th of July ever in the history of mankind. And nobody is going to wear a mask and nobody's going to be asked whether they were vaccinated. And my neighbors have already gone to the city to ask that the city shut down our streets so we can have more people there. Because I'm done with this nonsense. Done with this nonsense. Done with uh, Anthony Fauci. Anthony Fauci. Let me see if I have this real quick before we before we go. Anthony Fauci says, we are in the sixth inning. Sixth inning of a baseball game, ladies and gentlemen. And we've all seen how he can pitch. Here it is. This is Anthony Fauci talking about how we are in the uh, bottom of the sixth, apparently. Calendar year 2021 and the beginning of the first quarter of 2022, we'll be able to vaccinate. I did the seventh inning stretch months ago. Children of any age. Before I let you go, Dr. Fauci, you and I are uh, Major League uh, Baseball fans. Uh, what inning are we in as far as this COVID pandemic is concerned? <laughs> this is a man who literally threw out the first pitch at a Nationals game uh, during the height of the pandemic, uh, went there to the first, and then and then sat with his friends and took his mask off. Well, you know, I, I, we're at least halfway through. I, I hope we're seeing, and, and I do believe... Uh, <laughs> we're halfway through. Now he says we're halfway through. Unbelievable. Uh, Wolf, I'm not trying to be overly uh, enthusiastic about... We're halfway through. <laughs> ...what's going on vis-a-vis the vaccine what? program, which is so successful. What? But we've really got to not declare uh, victory prematurely. Oh, yeah. So we're in the late innings, but it's not over. That's the thing we really got to get people to appreciate. You just said we're half through. We're going in the right direction. We're seeing the light. We're almost the election year when we can declare that the virus is defeated and, and, and Joe Biden can take credit for it. The end of the tunnel. But now got to keep the eyes on the prize. It's not a time to declare victory. <laughs> it's a time to get more and more people vaccinated. Just the what? way the president said today. We want to dearth of evidence. There's just something odd. There's something strange going on, and it's getting more desperate. They're clawing. They're they're saying that if you don't get your your vaccine, you could kill other people. Andrew Cuomo said you could kill your grandmother if you don't get the vaccine. Come on, guys, you're being played on a number of fronts. Get to that goal. It's a doable goal, and I believe we'll get there. So you think the seventh, the eighth inning, or late innings? What what inning you're talking about? How about the, the bottom of the sixth? Bottom Try that one. Right, we'll, I'll go with the bottom of the sixth. That's not too bad. <laughs> That's right, so funny. That's, that's so funny. You know what? We're not stupid. You know, this isn't about, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm completely sane. Uh, some may argue that. Uh, 
but I'm, I'm not into conspiracies. There's just a point where you've got to use common sense and you've got to kind of look at the evidence. You've got to kind of go, really? How do people, why do people react this way so much? Why, why are they so, why do they immediately assume, even though 1,400 people uh, did sworn affidavits saying that they saw election uh, problems in, in some of the, the different states, um, and, and the, we saw six states that stopped counting voting at the same time and then resumed voting the next morning at the same time, and 99% uh, of the votes that were counted the next morning went for Joe Biden. But we had the media tell us that there's nothing to see here, to the point of calling you a uh, uh, psychotic, uh, conspiracy theorist, a uh, hate monger, white supremacist, because you believe that, you know, whatever. And then, uh, you know, honestly, when you see reactions like this from half the country that are so over the top, you've got to kind of wonder, and then you compare us with the statistics. You've got to let common sense dictate that I mean how much of this can be true huh? food for thought food for thought this is pretty interesting one more one more thing before I go I think we've had a good show today I hope you've had a, a nice time hanging with me there is a, uh, a woman who is on the web and I believe she calls herself Blue Reverie and uh, she's pretty, uh, really, she's very, very uh, wise and very smart. And she went on TikTok to address Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano is a uh, Karen. Alyssa Milano is a guilty white liberal female, which drives, by the way, the entire woke movement. They, they drive the entire woke movement. The reason why the Washington Redskins are now called the Washington football team, white liberal suburban women. Trust me, I know this. I used to live in Minneapolis. I did morning radio in the mid-90s. White suburban women liberals would call me and complain all the time. I know somebody who's a part of this group and I think I'm they're very offended and and it, I was right about this 25 years ago so here is this uh, rebuttal from I, I really I hope to get this woman on the air from Blue Reverie with regard to Alyssa Milano and her latest uh, attempt to be a spokesperson for a race of which she does not belong for those of us who are not black men imagine watching the news and seeing how people imagine being a black man and being told by some white lady with a microphone that you and the criminal <laughs> on tv are one and the same because you look alike imagine being told by society that white people can be all that they can be but you as a black man the content of your character is completely irrelevant you are the color of your skin and that is all you will ever be imagine being told you can't figure out how to vote because of the color of your skin Whoa. socioeconomics affects everyone but apparently you're not as smart as the poorest white person lady i don't want to hate you i'm a nice 90s kid. I grew up with you, so I know you're very talented. I understand your heart is in the right place, but you are everything you preach against. You're not helping. You're making things worse. You're causing more division. You're causing more fear. Statistically speaking, I am more likely to be shot and killed by my black elderly neighbor across the street than the cop who patrols my neighborhood. Statistically speaking, homicide by cop is very rare, but people like you... I'm thinking she's a white supremacist. ...find power and fear, so you keep it front page news. You don't have to be a white supremacist. You can be better. Oh. Wow, that was good. Hey, guys, thanks for joining me today. I greatly appreciate you uh, joining me. We are the number 22, from, in, literally in seven weeks, from zero to 22, n uh, number 22, news and politics podcast on Apple. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? A guy who started radio 30 years ago and got into talk radio six or seven years ago can be a fresh voice in talk radio. Weird, weird that way. <laughs> Also, we're number one in Uganda.
I don't, I don't get it. I love it. I love Ugandans. I love you. I'm going to come and visit sometime. Anyway, have a glorious day, guys. Make sure to download the Newsmax app on your cellular telephonic device. And also go to NewsmaxTV.com and look at all your personalities there. And their great show, Grant Stinchfield and, and uh, uh, Greg Kelly and uh, Spicer and Company. And it's, it's just a great network. It's, it's, um, it's wonderful to watch. And, I, and it's growing. And there's a reason for it. So thanks for watching me, guys. God bless you. And uh, and also, oh, for, for where this podcast is, just go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts, okay? Have a glorious day. God bless you. God bless America. I will see you, and you will see me here tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Newsmax Daily with Rob Carson. Check your cable guide or NewsmaxTV.com. Or watch free on YouTube, Roku, Apple, Pluto, Zumo, Amazon Fire, and your smart TV. Newsmax, America's fastest this growing cable news channel. Check NewsmaxTV.com for details. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.